Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of $1 to $3. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. Chapter 9 Gary stared at the closed door for several seconds, then turned. He walked up to Johnson. Johnson did not acknowledge his presence. Gary moved around behind him and loosened the extension cord that bound him, letting it fall away. Johnson made no motion acknowledging that he was free. His legs had gone still and he slumped in his chair, his eyes fixed on the floor. Gary moved to the door and stood in front of his boss. He raised the crowbar high over his right shoulder and waited. He watched as Johnson's chest rose and fell, each slow breath filling his lungs before being expelled. It seemed to Gary that the man's respiration was slowing. Would it stop? How long after it stopped would he have? Gary watched as the rise and fall of Johnson's breathing became almost imperceptible. After what seemed like forever, there was no more movement. Johnson was still. Gary kept a death grip on the crowbar, muscles taut. His arms began to shake from the tension. One minute ticked by, then two. The anticipation and the physical strain began to take their toll. Beads of sweat ran down his face and into his eyes. With his left hand, he quickly wiped the sweat away. As he gripped the crowbar anew, his eyes caught the slightest of movements. Not being sure, Gary took a step closer and leaned his head towards Johnson. Another movement caught his attention and his eyes were drawn to Johnson's hands. Almost imperceptibly at first, Johnson's fingers began to twitch. Gary held his breath and stared at Johnson's hands. The seconds ticked away, and then, what before could have been written off as his stressed mind playing tricks, blossomed into reality. Johnson's hands sprang open, his fingers splayed out to full extension. All the color fled Gary's face, and he swallowed hard. He still held the crowbar, but his arms went limp and fell by his sides. Gary backpedaled across the room, his back slamming into the locked door. He kept his eyes locked on his boss as the thing that was Johnson began to move. Its head twitched and its body convulsed. The movements became more coordinated. The thing's head turned, seeming to scan the room. Gary lost it. The crowbar, hanging forgotten in his right hand, he began banging on the door with his left, his gaze never leaving the undead thing in front of him. Hey, let me out of here! Help! Gary realized his mistake immediately, as the dead eyes of what used to be Jason Johnson 
came to rest on him. Chapter 10 Max stood in front of the door. There was no lock, so he gripped the doorknob tight, securing Gary inside. Behind him, Reggie stood with his back to the door, facing Beverly, who looked like she was ready to rabbit. Reggie kept his hands resting gently on her shoulders, but she acted like she didn't notice, her eyes locked on the office door. Mac, Reggie, and Beverly jumped at the sound of banging and Gary's panicked call. Beverly moved past Reggie, but he held her fast. From inside Johnson's office, the banging became more frantic. Through the wall, Gary's desperate plea sounded. Let me the fuck out of here, you assholes! Beverly lunged for the door. Reggie, carefully but firmly, pushed her back. Tears welled in her eyes as she stared at the door and struggled against Reggie's restraint. We have to let him out! Open the door! Beverly said. She looked up into his stony face. Reggie could not meet her eyes, and his gaze fell to the floor. Please, open the door! Bever- Gary's words were cut short by the sound of hissing and feral groaning. Fast, heavy footfalls replaced his cry. Beverly's hands covered her mouth, stifling a scream that constricted in her throat at the sudden silence in the room beyond. Reggie shut his eyes tight. Over by the door, Mac clenched his jaw and breathed in rasps through his nose, keeping a death grip on the doorknob. From inside the office, a blood-curdling scream tore the silence, and then something slammed against the door. The impact caught Mac by surprise, and the door opened a quarter of an inch before Mac could force it closed again. Jason Johnson's nameplate flew off the door. It bounced twice and slid to a stop, face up halfway across the room. Several seconds of heavy silence passed. Everyone held their breath. Then, a voice. I'm all right. You can open the door. For a moment, nobody moved. Gary? Max said, still gripping the doorknob. Yeah, it's me, Gary. I'm all right. Everything is all right now. There was a collective release of breath. Then Beverly pushed past Reggie and ran up to Mac, who stood still blocking the door. A withering glare from Beverly melted his resolve, and he stepped away. Beverly fumbled for the knob and swung the door wide open. Gary, his face awash with shock and void of emotion, shuffled out. In his right hand hung the crowbar the curved den dragging on the ground and making an empty metallic sound. Beverly, Reggie, and Mac tracked him with their eyes as he dropped the crowbar on the couch in front of the fallen television and went toward his station. Mac turned and looked into Johnson's office. On the floor, reaching out for the threshold like an exhausted runner grasping for the finish line, was what was left of their boss. Skull fragments lay midst ruined brain matter. His head caved in and smashed. Without saying a word, Mac closed the office door. Beverly moved over to Gary as Mac and Reggie talked together in hushed tones. Beverly rubbed Gary's back, trying to comfort him. Gary looked up at her and offered a weak smile. I've got to go, Beverly said. 
Are you going to be all right? Gary nodded. Beverly gripped his shoulder, then turned and gathered up her things and made for the door. She was almost there when Reggie stepped in her way. Hold on, Bev. You can't just run out there, Reggie said. Beverly looked at Reggie, stupefied. The hell I can't, Reggie. Out of my way, Beverly said, attempting to move past him. Reggie put his hands on her shoulders and stopped her. We don't know what's out there. Well, we know what's out there, but we don't know how many. No one leaves until we check it out, Reggie said. Beverly looked indignant. So check it out. Do what you want. But if you think I'm just going to sit around here when my family... Matt cut off Beverly's words. Yeah, the thing is, Beverly, we need to know that none of us are going to turn and bite us in the ass, Max said from across the room. Yeah, literally, Reggie said. What the hell are you two talking about, Beverly said. Reggie and Mac exchanged looks. Well, me and Mac aren't bit, but when we came up from below, you were wrestling with the boss and, uh, Old Gary was locked in a room with him. So uh, until we know that uh, neither of you two pose a threat, we can't have you, uh, you know, loose, Reggie said. Beverly was not believing what she was hearing. Now you listen to me, you knuckle busters. There's only one thing that's going to happen right now, and that's me getting home to my family. Got it? Beverly said. She went to push past Reggie, but he held her tight. Mac sighed. Well, I guess we could look you two over, make sure you weren't bit anywhere, he said. Beverly looked confused. Gary stood up, panicked. What do you mean, like strip? He said. It would be the only way we could be sure, besides waiting to see if you turned, Mac said. Oh, no, it will be a cold day in hell, Beverly started. She was cut off as Mac nodded. Reggie tightened his grip and began to push Beverly back towards the supply closet across the room. We didn't figure you'd go for it, Max said, approaching Gary. What are you going to do? Gary said.